This is Mike Campbell. Welcome to Money Talks. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment, meaning you get paid first. Uh, there are no fees attached to it, and it's in that tech industry, the tech field. For more information, go to soleraclub.com. Start off today with a personal story. A man comes up to me at the airport and introduces himself as an official in a public sector union, says he listens to Money Talks all the time. I said, no, you don't. He looked a bit taken aback and said, yes, I really do. I smiled and said, no, you don't. You may have the radio on, but you only hear the things that support your politics and your ideology. The rest you ignore. Maybe don't even hear. I don't think I made a good new friend there, but this is the norm for people who think politics first. And my guess is that the majority, and that's the majority of Canadians. And certainly the common thread with all my hate mail correspondence who to a person are deeply offended when their worldview is threatened. The mantra of the politically incorrigible is, not always right, but never been wrong. Those are the thoughts that went through me this week when I'm watching how the markets behaved. The worst beginning for the U.S. stock markets in history this week. You've heard, I hope, last week I'd said, I can't believe China wasn't on people's list for the top stories. Well, two days later we found out why. Huge gyrations going on in China that are having repercussions throughout the world. But again, none of that will register. It's interesting, though, the amount of evidence that people have to ignore or distort is growing, and it's inescapable. So I say send the hate mail. It's amusing. But the age of consequences is still here. Look at the fallout from China's problems this week. I mean, stock markets around the world fell. The drop in the loonie to our well-documented target of 70 cents. I think it's, what, August 2003, since the last time it was there? To our to oil, stated target, 32 to $34. I'm going to sit back. I'll just keep watching events unfold, just like they did this week. All are consistent with our forecasts and a reminder of my observation that politics is the problem, not the solution. And the top problems are sovereign debt and unfunded liabilities. But clearly for some, reality is just too difficult. I mean, their total acquiescence to big government seems to be complete. They are the useful idiots of political elites all across the spectrum, but include well-connected from business, labor, non-governmental organizations. There are no facts, no amount of evidence that's going to shake their faith. These are my hate mail correspondents, usually colorful, abusive. Hey, got to give a special shout out to Edward Fox, who sends a relentless stream of hate mails that amounts to calling me, or anyone else, I think, with a different opinion a moron. I do top that list. As he says about me, you can't fix stupid. Well, Edward, I think maybe you shouldn't be listening. But it's somewhere between amusing and sad to see how common that degree of rudeness, disrespect, emotional immaturity is. Why? Because he will not tolerate an alternative view. Well, I say good for him. The world's still changing. The consequences are still coming. In Canada, up to last year, we were lucky. High oil and other commodity prices compensated for the anti-business, anti-growth policies that dominate entry, I mean, every level of government. You know, they were sending, 20, the resource industry, led by oil, was sending $26 billion to government. Well, that compensated for some government inefficiency and incompetence, but that party's over. But sadly, instead of adjusting, governments are simply saying it's business as usual and adding to their deficits, as I continue to mention. And you don't hear it in discussions on government debt because they're dominated by the focus on the federal level. But this is the first year, first time in history, that provincial debt is greater than federal debt. 
My hate mail correspondents seem to get particularly vexed when I point out that raising taxes and increasing the regulatory burden in an over-leveraged, down economy guarantees weak economic growth. And no amount of political rhetoric or emotion-laced hate mail is going to change that. And clearly, the majority of Canadians, especially big government advocates, don't seem to understand that the facts are clear. Without significantly higher levels of economic growth, government services like health care, public sector benefits and wages are going to be in trouble. This isn't theory, by the way. I mean, look at what's happening, and I doubt any of them do. Look at what's happening to public sector pensions right now in the U.S. at the state level. Both Democrats and Republican governors have pushed legislation to cut back on public sector pensions. Come on, why would the Democrats, long-standing allies of big labor, cut public sector pensions? Simple reason, they don't have the money. In Canada, there's a $244 billion public sector pension unfunded liability. And yet still, we got people fighting like heck against any measure to increase economic growth. It's the anti-business big government groups led by organized labor in the public sector that push policies that every single analyst conclude will hurt public sector investments themselves, public sector pension investments. But please, send the hate mail. In the meantime, the world continues to deleverage. The backlash of the refugee crisis in Europe, especially in Germany, where if Angela Merkel is forced to step down, could have massive financial repercussions, as does the continued strength of the U.S. dollar, the fall in commodity prices, the fall in the loonie, record low interest rates, and the impact on pensions and individual sa uh, savers. But please, keep those politically motivated love notes coming. I especially get a kick out of the ones that mention my mother or brother or Satan. Not original or reflective of deep thought, but certainly entertaining. Meanwhile, I'm going to continue on this show to do the best I can to prepare and protect the rest of us. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Go to soleraclub.com. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Michael Levy, top three stories of the week. What a week. I bet he had a heck of a time choosing them. What a start to 2016. Also, I've got a big fat idea, some big news in tech. I've got Greg Weldon to make sense of it all. This is a great show. Stay with us. What an incredible week it was down in Las Vegas because the Consumer Electronics Show. There's so much happening in tech, including in Canada, especially out at the West Coast. BC Cause, uh, rather, Greg Cause, President and CEO of BCIC, British Columbia Innovation Council, is going to be with me in a couple of minutes. Coolest things he's seen in tech innovation. Aaron Dunn's coming by with the big fat idea. And uh, right now, though, I go to the phone line to grab Michael Levy because there was a heck of a week. Mike, you must have had 50 stories and you had to go narrow them down to three top stories. I did, Mike, and I'm really just going to touch on two, and then my number Let's one. Let's go to number three, then. We'll spend a couple of minutes on. Let's go to three. All right, three. Mike, how 148 currencies fared against the Canadian dollar last year? This is uh, uh, according to Bloomberg, who does a chart on how currencies fare. And Canada against 148 currencies. We were down against 118 of them. Everybody would expect the euro, the pound, the yen, the U.S. dollar being down against them. But when we're down against such currencies as the Afghan Afghani, where we lost 1.2%, the Iceland Krona, where we lost 17%, the 19%, uh, or sorry, 10.9% against the Colombian peso, boy, Canada didn't fare very well at all. 
Yeah, well, I mean, people are always surprised when we beat out somebody. Like we had a huge gain, for example, against South America, uh, South Africa, rather. Yeah, because of course, as you're as rightly so, we're dominating when we talk about the Canadian dollar or versus the U.S. dollar. But it is fascinating to see how we fared about uh, against everyone else. What about the number two story? Well, just the headline caught me. George Soros, who is a major world investor worth about $17 billion, he sees crisis in the global markets that echoes 208. Now, uh, he talks a lot and can be self-serving, Mike, when he's a major shareholder yeah. of a company. But in this case, um, I think he draws some good points. And uh, I think that uh, we really, as investors, have to take a look when a man like George Soros is speaking. Well, I think the thing is, you know, you get into a negative environment, and I'm pleased to say on Money Talks we've been very clear uh, that 2015 was going to be a choppy year and didn't like the start to 2016, Not, and we said it before this week, now it's obvious, but, uh, you know, you start to, to focus on the negative, and so I think that's why Soros' story got so much coverage. You know, when he starts talking 2008, you know, people who were around then and investing then certainly get cold chills there, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, what about number one? Number one, I think, is a very important story, Mike. The aftermath of the resource route will be long and painful. This is a quote from Stephen Polos, governor of the Bank of Canada, and he said, Canada's facing a long and painful fallout from a seismic shift in global resource prices that could last up to, listen to this, five years and drain $50 billion a year from our economy. Well, that's a challenge, and I, I'm glad to hear him at least talking about that. Uh, I, I've been one of the things we've said on Money Talks for so long is I've been amazed at how, uh, we, uh, you know, generally the economic mainstream is underestimated, including at the Bank of Canada, underestimated the impact of the fall in oil prices, the fall in other resources, and the spinoff there. Uh, I think, by the way, budgets across the country are still doing it. They're still estimating a recovery in oil that I think is going to prove to be overly optimistic and have a bigger hit on government revenue. So, yeah, I'm glad to see uh, Mr. Polos talk about that restructuring that needs to take place. And here's the wake-up call, because as you say, they're still looking for a recovery even this year of oil prices. He says, and here's the quote, that undercurrent will last several years. It typically takes three to five years to adjust to a significant shift in your terms of trade, the huge change in the value of our currency, which is what we're going through. And he thinks that uh, Mr. Polo says that the company, the country, $2 trillion economy inflicted by lower commodity prices and higher import prices is a $50 billion a year or $1,500 a person hit, Mike. And he's not looking for recovery today, tomorrow. He's looking for a three to five year significant turn before we start to be on that road to recovery where exports are going to then start to take over and be the major part of our economy but he's not looking for any quick fix well the other side of course is that we're dependent on other factors we don't set oil prices we're not going to be the ones who create the demand for our goods despite the weaker dollar coming out of the u.s where 75 percent of the goods are headed so yeah it's difficult in that i think the other thing i thought he was very interesting he said look there's no fiscal policy he can really do you know he's not about to he may lower rates who knows but it's not going to have that impact there's probably not even government policy there's worse government policies than others and we're seeing that demonstrated in some parts of the country but the bottom line is we need a strong u.s economy so they can demand our goods we need higher resource prices and i think he's quite right the higher resource prices you know in any significant way aren't in the immediate offing 
And, and, and my apropos of what you just said and about a possible rate cut, unless we have some kind of a real further downturn in the Canadian economy or there's some kind of an event, I think that he indicated very plainly that he's pr- fully prepared to live with more inflation that might be caused by a lower Canadian mm-hmm. dollar and temporary higher prices by imports from the United States and other countries. I don't see an interest rate cut in that. I see the Bank of Canada telling us that they're go- they are prepared to ride this out and Canadians should be prepared to ride it out. And please don't be looking short term. We are into this for the next three to five years. And he made that very clear in the speech. And I say uh, kudos to him because on several occasions, boy, have we disagreed with some of the things he said or how he said it. There's no misinterpreting what he's saying right here. Yeah, and we'll be here to chronicle it. Thanks, Mike. Have a great weekend. You too, Mike. Thank you. Take a break. Come back. We're going to be talking about some hot tech stuff. Uh, You know, what a fascinating week coming out of Las Vegas. We'll talk about what's going on in Canada. There's some cool stuff. We'll do that when we come back across the Chorus Radio Network. Huge week. Had a little technical problem there. Huge week this week, though, in Las Vegas. The Cumansumer Electronics Show just, again, put the spotlight on all things tech. It's incredible. Coming up in Vancouver, you've got the BC... um, the BC Tech Summit. It's uh, coming on January 18th and 19th, already sold out. Very pleased to have with me Greg Cause. He's the BC Innovation Council CEO. And uh, there's just so much going on in the tech world. As I say, great to kick off 2016 that way. First of all, Greg, thanks for taking the time with me. Thanks very much, Michael. I'm really happy to be here today. Let me just fire a couple of quick things at you. As I say, coming right out of all the news reports coming out of Vegas, but there's so much, you've got a broader perspective. Uh, you know, what are some of the cool things you're seeing in tech right now? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, well, technology encompasses more than just the cool things. I mean, it obviously involves yeah. things that you would use in your day-to-day. Um, I would say in, uh, certainly in British Columbia, we're a world leader in uh, what we call quantum computing. We're the only jurisdiction in the world that has a company that makes uh, quantum computers. And this is a new, a new breed of computer uh, made by uh, D-Wave, um, which is, uh, you know, a, a, effectively come out of UBC. Uh, second thing is we have the greenest of uh, green power being created here by a company called General Fusion. And this is the ultimate goal in the world. However, what they're doing doesn't really generate any radiation. It's uh, super, super, uh, I, as I said, it's what powers the sun. It's where we want to go to uh, to make our world a cleaner place. Well, I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly on record, and with some people it's not po- uh, popular, but that that's where we're going to find solutions uh, to emissions problems and challenges. Uh, that's where the, the rubber's going to hit the road. So it's exciting to hear those kind of innovations, especially going on in Canada, out in the West Coast and British Columbia. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I, just elaborate a little bit more on the quantum computers. What's the difference there? What do they bring to the table that's not uh, going on right now? Uh, regular computers do one thing at a time with ones and zeros. So you probably got a computer at home and you always want to go, you want, you don't want the two gigahertz computer, you want the three gigahertz computer. That's because that's the number of operations it can complete in a second. With quantum computers, everything happens simultaneously. So you can do, uh, billions and billions of operations instantaneously at once. So the speed up over regular computing, and actually Google just published a report, uh, is about 200 million times uh, in the most recent uh, X2 uh, D-Wave quantum computer. 
So this wow. is uh, it, this isn't like a, a little bit of a, a change, Michael. This is a quantum leap. Uh, to yeah. use a pun. <laughs> well, let me just uh, you know, I mean, this is a huge subject. You're dealing with it all the time. Uh, you know, the BC Tech Summit's going to handle some of this. But can you give me, do a couple of trends or one trend come to mind that you think the public should be more aware of or we should be, you know, a little more cognizant of the impact? Yeah, well, one thing that we all know is that uh, a lot of stuff is starting to get stored online today. So yeah. you put your pictures online and all that type of stuff. And then um, a lot of computing is happening happening online. So it doesn't happen locally. So everything uh, that uh, can connect or have data is moving into this thing we call the cloud. So that means that uh, most industries, whether you're a fancy uh, drone company or you're a forestry company that's just keeping its um, uh, export data online, everything is converging there. So this is driving uh, a lot of technology to try to tie everything together. Um, and that's unusual because that's not been around in the past. Everything's kind of been siloed and separate. So it's all coming together. That's a huge difference uh, uh, today oh. than it was five years ago. It is amazing how things that we just, and how fast we sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, take them for granted. You know, you're like, hey, you couldn't even <laughs> do that five years. I was looking at some DVD last night thinking those poor boys are out of business, you know, <laughs> and, and it's impacting all of our lives. And, and that's why it's exciting. I think the most positive thing uh, I'm seeing in the Canadian economy long term is, again, we are doing so many things tech-wise. We've got so many bright people, bright companies uh, doing some stuff uh, in our country, out in the West coast as you say because you're hosting the bc tech summit uh i just think that's a, a very big positive at a time when we need to have a little bit of positive going on yeah, and, absolutely uh, well you know we've got the highest educated uh, country in the world and, and all those people are uh, yeah. are looking for opportunity and uh technology uh actually as you said just pervades our lives so you know if we think that uh we're involved in technology you at home are involved in technology then your kids will become involved in it. Uh, the jobs well, are 40% higher paying than the average job, right? So um, it's well, really, it's, really good for people to be involved. Yeah. Great, It's great stuff, Greg, and I appreciate you finding time for us on the weekend. Super. Greg Koss, President, CEO, BC, British Columbia, rather, Innovation Council. Take a break. Greg Weldon, what's going on with China and the rest of the markets?